0: How did an uneducated party boy go from being an academic pauper and an army flunky to earning a summa cum laude doctorate? Well, it was through God working through weakness. Thinking Christians, welcome to The Unapologetic Show, where we defend truth without compromise with Dr. Bobby Conway, the one-man apologist. I'm your host, Tim Hall. Well, there is this you know, definition of weakness, and it doesn't fit with strength, but there seems to be lots of things that seem to be paradoxical within the Christian faith. So before we kind of go much further with this, before we get to really answering that question about how this you know, uneducated party boy Earns this degree, which we'll talk about for sure. Uh, Bobby, talk about some of these other paradoxes that exist in Christianity.
1: Well, weakness, Tim, is considered a limitation. Yeah. And we all have weaknesses. We all have limitations in our life. Mm-hmm. And when we think about the scripture, there are these kind of paradoxes. Yeah. For example, um, if you want to be exalted, you first must humble yourself. Right. Uh, in other words, the path isn't to self-exaltation. If we want to have an exalted life, that comes through living a humble life. Mm-hmm. Or how about this one? If you want to find life, then you must die to yourself. Yeah. Well, in American culture, we don't like the thought of dying to ourself, uh, being selfless, but Jesus, that to him was the way that we discovered life. When we die to ourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Think about loving our enemies as well. Uh, Who wants to love their enemies? Yet Jesus would say, you know, if we love him, then we got to love our enemies. Well, why? Because that's what he did. He loved his enemies. While we were still yet sinners, Jesus died for us on the cross. When we consider the American dream, it's replete with focusing on your strengths be all that you can be is like the army slogan right right? or how about strength finders we all need to find our strengths but jesus would talk about weakness finders being aware of our limitations being aware of our limitations and weaknesses because that is where god can show up that is where he's strong this is where we're dependent listen we will be much more inclined to get in trouble in the area of our strengths than we will mm. in the arena of our weaknesses, because it's in the arena of our weaknesses that we can remain dependent upon God. Yeah. It's in the arena of our strengths where we can get puffed up and seek to live independent of Him.
0: Excellent point. Excellent point. So I think one of the things that we need to do here to kind of lay this groundwork is we need to define kind of what the define what the Bible means when it talks about weakness. So how the Bible define weakness in this sense?
1: When we think about the concept of weakness, I really would invite our audience to think about limitations, mm. that there are these limitations that we have as people. We all have them. They could be intellectual limitations, yeah. spiritual limitations, emotional limitations, physical limitations. Um, they can come in the form of disabilities. Yeah. Uh, a weakness is something that we often spend our life resenting, mm. but it can become our greatest asset. Right. Many of us hate the fact that we have these particular limitations, these deficiencies, mm. these disabilities, uh, because we live in a culture, Tim, again, that's all about our strengths and, right. and, and be all that you can be. That's the American dream. Yeah. Well, this is an area where the American dream runs contrary to what Scripture says. I mean, we think about... The various limitations. I mean, Moses uh, was somebody. He says, "I can't even speak." I mean, Aaron was the mouthpiece for crying out loud. He's like, "I'm not really, you know, fit for this task here." Yet God would use him.
0: Right. Well, and uh, again, I'm thinking about David. He couldn't even fit in the armor, right? They put the armor on. That's right. Too big, right? And so he's got this, you know, little little shepherd's boy. Yeah. So I mean, I think there's lots of different areas that we can look at in that. I think sometimes the the Bible defines weakness as kind of the Cinderella story, the long shot. You know, this is. You know, there's no way that's going to happen exactly well there's no way it's going to happen because you're trying to do it in, in your, your own, own power strength, right instead of trying to you know lean on God. So yeah, that's really interesting and david is the cinderella
1: story right he yeah. goes out uh you know he's this young kid his brothers are hating him for it <laughs> and he goes out and you know with the sling takes out you know goliath right of gath this giant and you think about that how powerful that he was able to to go out and realize his strength is not in his size, Mm.
0: but in the size of his God. Right, no, I think that that's excellent. So before we continue on, I wanna make sure that our audience, our listeners know that this this show is also available in an audio-only podcast. You can find it on your favorite podcast players. If you wanna support this channel, one of the best ways that you can do that is head on over to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash One Minute Apologist, like this video over there, subscribe to our channel. You could even pick up some One Minute Apologist merchandise that you can find at the bottom of every single one of our videos. And again, you can listen to the show again on any podcast or on that YouTube channel as well. So Bobby, what exactly is it about our weakness that God loves so much? Why is is our weakness so valuable to Him? I think that we're humbled by our weakness. So Mm -hmm.
1: weakness puts us in this posture where we're starting from the right stance with God. There's not a lot of us that go around and and we're puffed up about our weaknesses, about our limitations, about our disabilities. Uh, A lot of times, these weaknesses are like a thorn in the flesh to us. Uh, We want to get them, uh, you know, cast off as soon as possible. Uh, We tend to think that we would be better off without these weaknesses, without these limitations and deficiencies in our life. When When God looks at us in the midst of our weakness and we surrender our weaknesses into his hand, I think what he loves about it is we are meeting him in powerlessness. Mm -hmm. And when we meet God from a place of powerlessness and invite his power, that's where life can really begin to be transformed. That's where people can be touched. Uh, There's something beautiful about a humility. Um, I think about here we are in Charlotte. And I sh- have struggled um, enjoying the Panthers football team, and you want to know the, the biggest reason I have struggled liking the Panthers? Want to take a guess? I think it's Camp Newton, but I, I could think be wrong. you are exactly right. Look at that, yeah. and in fact, that yeah, you even just said it like that—the yeah. um, the, the the pompous and the pride and and, and the self exaltation mm-hmm. uh, that I sense. Uh, it makes it so difficult for me to cheer. And uh, uh, when I see athletes uh, celebrating like with their over uh, gesticulation and dancing and being puffed up feel, it's hard for me to get behind. Why is that? Because they already know how great they are. Uh, There's something great about being in the presence of somebody that doesn't get what makes them so great. It was like when somebody asked Billy Graham, you know, does that make you feel puffed up or prideful at all? Like when you're just speaking before stadiums of hundreds of thousands of people, like, what is that like? And and, you know, his response was, um, well, that would be silly. That would be like the donkey on Palm Sunday, marching Jesus in and saying, hey, look at me, look at me. In other words, he... what." The secret to Billy's power as a North Carolina simple farm boy yeah. was he recognized his own powerlessness, yeah. his own weakness, and that is what is beautiful, Beautiful, and that's,
0: I think, what pleases God. Well, amen. I, I think that's a great example. I mean, one of the things that you and I were talking about before the show is, and you defined weakness as, as limitation, but God doesn't see those limitations, particularly in the same way that exactly. we do. We see them as things that are going to prevent us from you know, resulting in our goals or whatnot, but God sees those as opportunities to work through us. I think that's, that's that's an excellent point. I think one of the things that comes to mind here uh, in this idea of weakness is in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, where Paul talks about the, the treasure in jars of clay. So maybe you could talk about what that means. What's the treasure in jars of clay? Mm-hmm. Why is Paul bringing up jars of clay? Because that, that ties together yeah. this idea of weakness and limitation here. We
1: are the jars of clay, Tim. We are the fragile, cracked pots. Mm-hmm. And what Paul is communicating is inside these weak cracked pots, there is a treasure. And mm. so in dwelling inside every Christian is this treasure known as the gospel mm. that we get to display, that we get to share. In the ancient world, uh, what they would do is they would have these clay pots and they would hide their treasures in clay pots. In fact, when you think back to the 40s with the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls, there was a little shepherd boy and he was casting stones one day and he threw a stone and he heard a break. Mm. And he went to the source of where he heard the sound and there he discovered these scrolls inside the pot that he cracked with his rock. He ended up taking these scrolls down to a local shoe store where there was a Leatherman and the Leatherman, uh, you know, purchased those. And then uh, sadly some of these scrolls were getting cut up and everything else until, Oh my goodness, we have a real treasure here. Well, interestingly enough, um, when the the shepherd boy threw the stone and it cracked the pot and it revealed the treasure, cracked pots can reveal treasure Mm. and the pot, needs to be broken before the treasure can be let out. And a lot of Christians are unbroken. And God loves brokenness. Mm. He loves when we come to him in weakness. He loves humility. He doesn't want us to be puffed up. He doesn't want us to think that that it's all about us. He wants us to live broken, humble, contrite lives where his glory shines through. And when we live that way, when we are crackpots and we realize that treasures within us, when we share the gospel from a posture of brokenness and humility, and a crushed spirit and contrite spirit in every way, meaning uh, the good way that that word can be used, I think that people can sense power in that yeah. instead of being puffed up.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's excellent. I think uh, you and I both have talked before a little bit about our story of some of that, where you know there, the cracked potness of of just being kind of laid bare in our weaknesses and then having to be fulfilled by God. So can you just kind of recap some of that story for us in your, in your life? I prefaced at the very beginning, this, Yeah. you know, uneducated party boy, didn't want anything to do with academics at all, flunked the, uh, you know, some uh, uh, the army, flunked out of the army, and now you have two PhDs. So technically you're doctor, yeah. doctor, but kind of catch us up yeah. on some of that story and, and how God worked through that.
1: Well, I never... Uh... Uh, got into the military because I couldn't pass the test. (laughs) Uh, So the truth is, is uh, I, I always hated school growing up, Tim. Uh, My grandma used to sit and read all the time in the family room. And I think that looks so boring. What a boring existence. (laughs) And um, I hated it. Uh, I, I, skip school all the time. I had so many cuts. It was incredible. I mean, I, I was the senior sitting in class with sophomores, but I wanted to go to the Marine Corps. Mm. And I took the test. It was called the ASVAB. And I failed it the first time. You needed a 31 to get in the United States Marine Corps. I failed it the first time. I had to wait 30 days. I took it again. I failed it again. Mm. The third time, you had to wait six months to take it. So I went and took it again, and I failed it. On my third try... I got a 27 Mm. out of, uh, you know. uh, 28 uh, 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 was the minimum, right? 31 was the minimum for the Marine Corps. So what happened was, is they said, you can't get in the Marine Corps, but there's a chance the Army will give you a waiver with a 27 to get in Mm. on their 28 high bar requirement. (laughs) 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 No offense, Army guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No no offense, but I mean, a 27. So then uh, I ended up going to MEPS to go and get my physical, in Northern California where I was at the time. I think I went up to Oakland and uh, I failed the physical because I tore my ACL my mm. senior year. So I never ended up going off to the army and couldn't even get into the Marine Corps. Yeah, well, All that to say, I was feeling pretty low and discouraged. The only thing I really had going for me is I could throw a baseball. Mm. Well, th- those dreams uh, came crashing down because I was struggling with the alcohol and the drugs and partying and uh, my injuries. Mm. And God just kind of brought me to the end of myself. Uh, I became a Christian uh, at the age of 19. A college teammate took me to go and hear Greg Glory. I ended up placing my faith in Jesus, and I uh, continued to struggle with the alcohol and the drugs uh, for about a year and a half into my Christian walk. I uh, went to AA October 9th, 1994, got clean, and then that is when my life really began to change, when Ooh. I started getting rid of the alcohol. And... I started reading like crazy. The first book I remember reading, except for a children's book by Judy Bloom, known as Freckle Juice, was a book when I was 21 years of age from, from front to back. And I thought, wow. And then I started reading because I fell in love with God mm-hmm. and I wanted to learn. And the way I was going to know God was to read. Yeah. So all of a sudden I'm thinking, this is so, what's happening to me? Like I'm falling in love with reading. I'm studying. I'll end up going off to Bible college. In Bible college... I didn't know what an adjective was. I didn't know what an adverb was. I had to pay people to type my papers. Mm. So I'm paying people to type my papers to turn them in. I had a professor that put me under his wing. He knew that I, you know, at this time, I might've been clean for about a year, year and a half. And he just saw me trying out real hard. I was really zealous, passionate about Jesus. And he started pouring into me. Yeah. And thankfully, uh, you know, I'm I'm quite confident. I probably turned in some DNF work that he was giving me C's on. <laughs> uh, I ended up getting through, Bible college with B's and C's Uh, took a year off was a teaching pastor in a church and felt called to go to seminary Mm. went off to Dallas theological seminary before I went my in-laws gave me a laptop Mm. I self-taught myself to type I remember going off to Dallas seminary I could type so slow that I was embarrassed yeah I I didn't want people I was real self-conscious about it like I'd be like (laughs) G-O-D it spells God right well by, by the time I was done at Dallas seminary I mean I I I was flying on the typing. Um, the way that I learned English grammar, Tim, because I certainly didn't remember learning it when I was a kid, yeah. was through studying Greek and Hebrew. Mm-hmm. So here I was learning uh, you know, Greek and Hebrew. Well, uh, in, at Dallas Seminary, I, I was like, wow, I'm really starting to flourish. My first semester, I took 18 hours and got straight A's. Oh, wow. And I thought, Okay, how is this happening here? I mean, you know, so coming out of Bible college, taking a year off, studying, and I now I had eighteen hours, and I'm and, and, and I'm getting straight A's, and I'm going. Well, I'm really beginning to flourish as a student. Yeah. Well, then I got out, went and planted a church, and then did a doctoral of ministry degree in apologetics, and got summa cum laude there, and yep. then went off and earned a PhD in philosophy of religion at one of the most prestigious philosophy of religion departments in the world. Excellent. Uh, and writing books and and would never thought I'd be an apologist yeah. and doing philosophy and all this stuff. It's just God's grace, but at the end of the day it's hence it's his power. Yeah. working through a guy that couldn't even pass an NASVAB. In fact, I'll tell you this last story, Tim. My wife when we were dating, um, I was in Arkansas uh, where I met her, um, where I, and where I, and I, I went to Chili's to go take a test to be a waiter, and I ended up not staying because the menu was so big. If you ever seen the menu, I mean they got the guilty menu, they got the guiltless menu. I mean, dude, and um, this was before I went to Bible college and everything. We were early dating, but I came back and she wanted to know about the job interview. And I said, I just didn't take it. And why? Because I didn't feel like I could pass a test mm. to learn a Chili's menu. Yeah, And that's what God did in my life. Yeah. I was the guy who couldn't pass a test to get in the military. I was the guy that didn't think I could pass a test to be a waiter at Chili's mm. and went on to earn two doctorates and a four-year master's degree from Dallas Theological Seminary. Yeah.
0: No, that's excellent. And, and, and yeah. Started two churches, we have one minute apologist. How many books have you published now? Uh- four I think yeah four yeah. or five working on another one so yeah I mean I think that that's an excellent testimony excellent kind of just overview of the things that God can do when we admit our weaknesses and let his power kind of work through us so I'm imagining the person now that's saying well yeah I, I can't be the next Bobby Conway I'm, I'm not I'm not David and please David don't Eli, right? you know like. <laughs> uh, I mean I, I have weaknesses in my life what would advice would you give to someone to help encourage them as they're kind of saying okay I'm admitting that I have weaknesses I want God to work through me w- how how can they help that? How can how can they make that happen?
1: Our weaknesses are the things we want to cover up the most, right? But God delights in using us in weakness, even our moral failures uh, that that overwhelm us. The thing we want to conceal the most, God often wants to reveal the most. Yeah. And I think that we can do some personal inventory. Look, we have a lot of identity issues and insecure uh, insecurities around our weaknesses, and. God wants to meet us in that. Mm. And I think that I would say, yeah, figure out what your strengths are. There's nothing wrong with knowing what your strengths are. Just be aware that you could get puffed up in those. Mm. Uh, So stay humble in those. Remember, even those are God's gift. Uh, But yeah, learn your strengths, but don't try to just live your entire life out of your strengths. Mm. That's modern day business culture and principles. Uh, You know, lead to your strengths, delegate to your weaknesses. Well, I think in general, yes, you want to do that. But we need to be careful that there's not some weaknesses that God's not wanting to use in our life yeah. um, that there's not some limitations that we're not you know resisting growth in I think of Nick Voyachik, no, no arms no hands Uh, no worries, or no hands, no limbs, no worries, a a book he wrote. Uh, That's his story. Or Johnny Erickson Tata, who became a quadriplegic Mm -hmm. after a diving accident and how Mm -hmm. God has used her in such amazing ways. Or Helen Keller, who was uh, deaf and blind in, I mean, literally uh, some of the stuff that she wrote is incredible. So I would just say, um, maybe identify your weaknesses ask what kind of emotional damage you've done to yourself by just beating yourself up about it and ask God to help you to not have an insecure identity at the expense of your weaknesses right. and surrender those weaknesses to him and say be willing to use it for God's glory be willing to to talk about it and not that I just think we connect better with people Tim when we can say we're we're weak in these ways we have limitations I mean I I, I mean it's just incredible like I we just don't want to God loves it. And then we connect better. Yeah. Rick Warren had a, such a great statement. In he says, when we talk about our strengths, it causes competition. Mm. But when we talk about our weaknesses, it brings about unity. Right. Because we all have them. Yeah. I, I relate to somebody who, who wants to talk about weaknesses and how weak they feel so much more than the person who wants to tell me about all their accomplishments. Right. And I can tell you this, even as I talked about my weaknesses and how God brought them into accomplishments, those truly are his doing in yeah. my life. Yeah. If he didn't save me, I have no doubt that I wouldn't even be be in this conversation right yeah. now.
0: Yeah. And I find for for myself too, when I'm, when I'm really trying to process through some of the stuff that, you know, spending time in the word, reading some of those, uh, you know, examples of weaknesses that God's working through really helps me. And then going back to what we talked about, even on last week's show, where we talked about obedience and just, you know, hearing the word of God and, and trusting in him being obedient is, you know, super important. So as we kind of uh, wrap up here, how, how can we relate this to, you know, the apologetic endeavor and and being weakness and with our being in weakness and helping with apologetics? So, I mean, what is apologetics? It's giving a defense
1: of the Christian faith. Mm. Uh, God took my weakness, intellectual weakness, and turned it into a strength in order to defend the Christian faith. Mm. I think that there's a lifestyle apologetics. And um, you think about Nick Vujicic, as I just mentioned, or Johnny Erickson Tata. Their, the, the, their ability to suffer well is has been an apologetic. They're giving... They're not considered Christian apologists, but their life is an apologia. They're giving a defense of the Christian faith. And what is it that we're all drawn to? How they shine so well through weakness and how they bring God glory through the weakness. Uh, First Peter 3.15, always be ready to give an apologia, a defense to when people ask for the hope that is within you. Well, that's in the context of suffering well. That's in the context when you feel weak, when you're beat down by persecution and people say, how is it that you do this? Right? Uh, Helen Keller, you know, what's the hope within you? You're blind, you're deaf. Well, you know, it's Jesus Christ. And so I think that how it relates to apologetics. That's what I think one of the things I am passionate about is saying apologetics is so much broader than maybe our intellectual friends present it as. Uh, You and I both love the intellectual life, Tim, but apologetics, broadly speaking, just means to give a defense. Mm -hmm. And there are ways that we give a defense. We give a defense, uh, an intellectual defense. We can give... um, you know, a defense through our life, a lifestyle defense. Right. There's lots of different ways. And so that's what I would encourage people well, to consider. And
0: I, and I think too, I think that, that sometimes opens up the dialogue, right? You know, just when people see how you live and then they start asking you questions and then you're equipped to be able to <coughs> answer those intellectually, right? Just the way that you live and, and being obedient in that and, and your weaknesses opens up the possibility for dialogue. So any final closing comments or thoughts? Just a cough. <coughs> that was a weakness right there, right? Yeah. Um,
1: no, I would say to the audience that's out there, you know, be encouraged. And being in a church, I think, Tim, we're planting a church right yeah. now and we're talking about how oh, helping people discover their spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are these strengths that God gives to us, right? But I do think that um how this can be contextualized is using stories. Mm-hmm. Uh when I was at Saddleback, um, Rick Warren did such a great job of capturing people's stories. And really, what was he doing? He was putting people's weakness on display for the purpose of showing how God's power met them in weakness and gave them strength. And every time Rick shared somebody's story from the stage or had somebody share their story, you know what was happening? There was an apologia, Mm. a defense of God's power, meeting them in weakness, a defense of why Christianity can help you in the, whatever it is that you're struggling in uh, with. That's that's the power of story. Yeah. So a church can do different things. We can help people know their gifts but we can also capture stories that can be very encouraging to the church and it can balance it where, yeah, this is a gifted church, but it's also a church that celebrates story of God's power meeting us in
0: weakness. Amen. Amen. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of The Unapologetic Show. We will meet you next time as we continue to defend truth without compromise. You've been listening to Unapologetic with Dr. Bobby Conway, the One Minute Apologist. I am your host, Tim Hall. Be sure to listen to Bobby on Pastor's Perspective Monday through Thursday, as well as like, share, and subscribe to the One Minute Apologist YouTube channel where we have over 1,000 videos. We would also like to remind you that this is a listener-supported program. We would greatly appreciate your support in any amount so we could continue to provide this ministry. If you would like to be a part of our team in any capacity, please visit our website at oneminuteapologist.com. And while you're there, check out all of Bobby's books, courses, and even invite him to speak at your church or event. Thank you for listening to Unapologetic, where we defend truth without compromise. sponsored by Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa.